Hello again, and welcome back. I'm Steve Murphy, a trust and estates attorney with McGuire Woods LLP. And this is Once Removed, my podcast on estate planning, property, trusts, taxes, legacy, family, and everything else on my mind. This is another episode on trusts. One of the things we do here on Once Removed, and one of the things we do in our monthly practice group meetings at my firm, is monitor recent cases that suggest trends of what clients are thinking or courts are considering. This episode reviews one of those cases. In our last episode, we talked about a particular strategy, a spousal lifetime access trust, or SLAT. And we talked about how a SLAT can be used to have the estate tax and asset protection benefits of a gift and trust, while still providing some measure of access, flexibility, and control, well, to your spouse. You wouldn't retain that access, flexibility, and control but rather your, sp- your spouse might as the beneficiary, as holder of a power appointment, or as co-trustee or trustee, or some combination of those. But we also flag some particular concerns about a SLAT. This SLAT seems to work for its intended purposes when the spouse is alive and when you're married. If either of those aren't true, then the SLAT suddenly doesn't have some of those benefits that were intended. If the spouse dies, then the spouse is no longer a beneficiary, and you can't get any indirect benefit from the trust. And also if the spouse dies, then he or she can't exercise any power of appointment to change the terms. A recent case highlights this. This is the McKim case, an unpublished opinion from the Court of Appeals in Kentucky. The full citation is in the case notes. In that case, a husband set up a SLAT in 2005. His wife was a beneficiary. That's the access part of the SLAT. And she was also a trustee. That's the control part that I've talked about before. And their children were also beneficiaries. One other concern about the SLAT is not just if the spouse dies, but what if you get divorced? It seems like the husband was aware of some of those concerns about the SLAT. So he provided in the trust document that if they ever got divorced, then suddenly the wife's interests disappear. She stops being a beneficiary and she also stops being trustee. And another trustee takes over. But then in 2018, after what seems like about 26 years of marriage, the husband filed for divorce. But then the wife, as trustee of the SLAT, did something interesting. Under many states' laws, the interested parties of a trust can take steps to effectively modify the trust. And that's exactly what she did. As trustee, she took steps under Kentucky law to modify the trust to remove the provision that forfeited her rights upon divorce so she could stay as a beneficiary and as trustee. Interestingly, apparently the children were okay with this. There's no uh, reference in the case of any objection that they filed. And maybe this was somewhat expected. The children would have had to challenge their mother's attempt to have access to the trust. Maybe they weren't willing to do that. Well, the husband and the successor trustee didn't like this one bit. So they filed an action to challenge the wife's actions as trustee. And the issue came down to standing. The wife said the husband had given up all rights to the trust. I'd summarize that, that again, he was removed, a nod to the title of my podcast. He had given up access and flexibility and control. And the wife said, if you aren't being harmed by a court proceeding, then you aren't able to come forward and intervene. It's just not your problem. The husband said he was harmed because of one particular issue. I mentioned in my last episode that if you set up a slat, then typically you have to pay the income tax of the trust. And under recent law, the law now says that even if you get divorced, you still have to pay the income tax on that trust. 
But if the wife was no longer a beneficiary, the way the original trust intended, then he wouldn't have to pay the income tax on the trust. But the court went through a careful analysis of various concepts of standing, and the court concluded that the husband and the successor trustee didn't have standing. So they couldn't complain or stand in the way of what the wife was intending to do, at least not yet. The court also noted that even if the husband was harmed because he still had to pay the income tax, the wife had apparently taken some steps to remove this harm. I'm not sure what she did. Maybe she included a clause that said that the husband would be reimbursed from the trust for income tax paid, or maybe she further tinkered with the terms of the trust so the husband wouldn't have to pay the income tax, but she would still be a beneficiary. So where does McKim leave us? I think it leaves us with a reminder. Slats can work well with estate tax benefits and creditor protection benefits, all while giving the spouse access, flexibility, and control. But in the, in the event of death or divorce, suddenly some of these advantages evaporate or can even work to go against the original intent. But this case underscores another important element of a slat. The husband drafted the slat to try to address this scenario of divorce. He said that if they got divorced, the wife would no longer be a beneficiary, would no longer be a trust, trustee. But because of some other elements of the law, that wasn't enough. The wife was still able to take steps to retain her status as beneficiary and trustee. So as you're drafting the slat, if you're concerned about planning for the what if of death or divorce, then make sure you're really thinking through the options to make sure your intent is carried out no matter what. I'm Steve Murphy, and this has been Once Removed, a podcast on thoughtful estate planning. Thanks for listening.